When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. The game is over when the final buzzer sounds. The analysis ends when you say it does. This is Overtime Open Line. Interviews, analysis, and your opinion. Overtime Open Line is brought to you by the Canadian Brew House. Now, from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center. Reed, Reed Wilkins, Wilkins on, on Oilers, Oilers Radio. Radio. 630 Chad. Testu's out of the box. Oilers have a three on two. Let Testu over the line. Strom, drag move to the net. Wrap around. Save made by Randy Ray. That's cameras everywhere a wonderful thing a pivotal sequence in the game tonight the Oilers thought they had tied at 2-2 with 5:04 left the Predators challenge for offside the first offside challenge we have seen in an Oilers game this season their 44th game of the year and the reason there aren't that many is because if you happen to be wrong you also get a two-minute delay of game penalty but the Predators were right so the goal comes off the board and they hang on to beat Edmonton 2-1 in a year where a lot has gone wrong for the Oilers a lot of it their own fault I think there were definitely some bad breaks and some odd things happening tonight that cost them a 2-1 game in Nashville. It's 8.56 along with Rob Brown. I'm Reed Wilkins. Thank you so much for tuning in tonight. Guys, we had some great discussion on the weekend about the state of the Oilers franchise. We had some great discussion on Inside Sports last night about uh, Peter Shirelli's comments and where the team was headed. I think tonight we want to focus on tonight's game, which as a standalone was a pretty entertaining and quite interesting game given the way some of the things played out. Maybe we'll also throw a question out there given that you've seen Nashville a couple of times, you've seen the Oilers play the Blues, play Vegas. Who do you think is the favorite to win the Western Conference at this point in the season? And I'm sure some of you will have comments on officiating and on video reviews. Rob, the Oilers were down 2-0, uh, as we talked about after the first period. Self-inflicted wound, mm-hmm. bad penalty by Lucic. Then just a crazy bounce off Larson's face, setting up a, a tap-in for Arverson. I'm not by any means suggesting that this is a moral victory. A loss is a loss. But the Oilers did fight back tonight. And in a lot of their losses, they have not deserved a better fate. I would I would argue they they might have deserved at least a point out of this game. Yeah, you don't you don't say the words moral victory, but you do say the fact that the Oilers played well. The, this was a good hockey game for the Edmonton Oilers coming into Nashville. Nashville is good. They're as good as anyone in the Western Conference. Playing on home ice, they're a deep team, good goaltending, good on the back end, and the Oilers, you know, were, were behind two early. One on a dumb penalty by Lucic where their penalty kill wasn't able to get it done. And then obviously the one that was unfortunate hits Larson in the face and falls right into the crease for a tap. And But the Oilers got better after that. We've seen them so many times fold their hand when they fall behind early and it turns into four, five-one losses, five-nothing losses, things like that. Tonight they battled back. And incredibly unfortunate. Um, it, it was funny, you and I, when, when Letestu tied it up there, we're like... I'm watching, I'm like, you know what, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they challenged. And you said offside, and I said, no, no, I think because there was someone in the crease. And then they showed a replay, and we're like, oh, no, that's all good, nothing. And all of a sudden, there's a challenge. We're like, what was that for? And then you see the replay, and both you and I at the same time, you, that's not going to work out well for the Oilers. But again, once they had that happen to them, they still didn't get down, came back, and spent the remainder of the game in Nashville's end. Unfortunately, uh, nothing seemed to bounce right for them as they put a number of shots towards the net, but nothing found behind Pecorini. I'll just give my opinion, and, and many people have heard this before, before we go to the phone lines at 780 
I don't like the offside review, and, and I know we only usually talk about it when it costs the Oilers because we're working in Edmonton, but I can remember uh, in a year the Oilers weren't in the playoffs, it, the year before last, obviously, when it, it, it wiped out a lot of goals in the playoffs, and as a neutral observer, I'm thinking, like, my God, this is a guy whose skate is barely off the ice, where the team did not gain an advantage off that zone entry. And I actually put it on my Twitter account, the Duchesne goal in 2013 against Nashville that led to this challenge being put in. And I just think it's a a complete overreaction by the NHL to a freak play. Yes, the linesman screwed up that one play. Mm -hmm. So now they put in a review that any coach can use, though they are discouraging coaches from using it this year, that any coach can use that can only wipe goals off the board. I, I mean, to me, this would be like... Um, I mean, I, I don't even know. Like, it, it would it, it would be like a, a a a puck going off the the goalpost and and coming back and hitting a goalie on the back of the ankle and him blowing out his Achilles. So they they put in foam goalposts so the pucks don't bounce off his heart. Well, like it's it's a complete overreaction that's eliminating offense based on millimeters sometimes. Well, I wonder, and there's probably somebody out there that's a lot smarter than us and has more time that can count the number of goals that have been wiped off the books over the last couple of years since this wasn't put in place. And in a league that's trying to create offensive uh, action, trying to create goals for people to get excited about, and I'm going to throw out 50 goals, 100 goals. I mean, Cassian lost four, I think, last year, something along. He lost that. a couple offside and a goal interference, yeah. yeah. So the, it just it's it just silly for something this small. Now, I agree it was the right call. Yeah, it was Absolutely offside. Right call, it, yeah. was offside it was offside. The rule of offside, it was offside. But to me, if you can't, in the blink of an eye, make a call, if, that, if, you, if we were to watch it 100 times at full speed, we would never make that call. True. So if you can't make that call watching it in, in, in real life, then I don't think when you have the, the technology to stop it, and if you have to stop it so long to eventually see if it's off, because when they show his skate off the ice, it stopped. In yeah. real time, it was like, we're talking, like snapping your finger is 10 times faster than what it was. So yeah. I agree. I think it's a dumb rule, and it takes uh, offense out of the game, takes excitement out of the game, and, uh, well, tonight took, points away from the the game and 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 again i i this is how i feel regardless of uh and of whether it uh it hurts the orders or not i don't like the offside challenge i think video review is great for judging whether or not a puck was over the line or not I, i think in this case it's it's a misapplication of technology we have logan as our first caller go ahead logan um i have a question for rob Mm -hmm. um so the orders kind of played really hard and they had a couple points, but McDavid had this great speed, and then Maroon kind of got hit. I didn't like the referee's call. Was that when Hartnell uh, got Maroon? Yes. Okay. Thanks, Logan. Which one was that? Uh, the Hartnell sensitive oh, area. Oh, well, yeah. Stick to the sensitive area. <laughs> yeah. You know what? I, I don't believe the referees cost the Oilers the game, but... There were calls in this game. The the one where McDavid has a breakaway, Subban stick. I mean, he had to let go of a stick because he had it in the waist and it got stuck there. Now, as I've said before, Connor McDavid is so strong, never goes down and doesn't flinch on things because he's so physically strong that referees tend to let things go against him. That was a penalty. The Maroon one, absolutely. I mean... If anyone, any any gentleman out there has ever been hit in that area, it hurts. And that is, again, that's a slashing penalty. I've seen it called many, many times. And it was it was pretty obvious. And Maroon probably, and the problem, the, the problem with Maroon, though, is he makes everything so big that referees tend to look the other way uh, on Maroon. It's not right, but it's true. His, his head will go back if he's touched. He screams. He yelled that time. He's got it on sportsman like that. Because year. of that. So referees will tend to look away at things, but that certainly was a penalty on that one as well. And it's funny, Reed and I were talking, the Letestu breakaway, he slashed the guy. The guy didn't get a shot away, and he got a penalty. Tonight we're just watching in overtime. Minnesota's got a breakaway. Giordano slashes the Minnesota guy. He misses. No penalty. So it's... Refereeing, I think, was not the cause tonight, 
but I'm, I, I certainly saw a couple of opportunities for the Oilers that could have had penalties. The big one, though, to me was the McDavid breakaway. When a player throws his hands up in the air, like Subban did, it usually means, please don't notice what I did because I just did something illegal. And I actually looked up the rule about throwing your stick for a penalty shot, and it doesn't quite quit the fit the criteria, but it is an interesting question. What if a guy, what if Subban drops his stick and McDavid steps on it and falls down? I mean, I don't know. Uh, one You're going to have to pick a different player because when McDavid is skating, well, he, would, yeah. he would never step on anyone's stick that's behind him. Yeah, good point. Maroon, maybe, or, or someone to attest to, but yes, stick I agree. In the way. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I, I, just a tough night for the Oilers. They lose 2-1 to Nashville. That means a $25 donation to the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation. Booster Juice, an oasis of freshness in a fast-paced world. $25 for every goal throughout the season. You can track the total on the Oilers page on 630Ched.com. We'll have post-game reaction from Nashville in a couple of minutes here. 780-496-0063. We have Stephen calling in. Go ahead, Stephen. How are you guys doing tonight? Pretty good. Good. Hey, a couple quick observations for you guys, and then listen to your thoughts. You know, it was a good game tonight. I think uh, the refereeing was not all that great. But, you know, <clears throat> I made uh, a couple of observations, and the first one was uh, 11 minutes left in the uh, second period. Uh, Larson to drive Seidel in front of his own net. He's got room to skate it out of his own end. Uh, Maroon's on the right wing, busting to the center. Uh, he can easily skate up the boards, and he makes a long ice pass past three Nashville Predators. Subban picks it off, comes back into the oiler end, and then Dreisaitl gets it again. Larson cuts the guy off, and he can skate it out of his own end again using his body. He's got a Predator behind him. He plays the puck around the boards, gives it away again, and Talbot made a save that was just unbelievable. If that's in the back of the net, it's 3-1. to Another observation that I made, and this is with Milan Lucic, twice on his own blue line at the beginning of the third period, he tried to get it out of his own end. He's just swatting at the puck, and they end up with a point-blank shot in front where Lucic actually gets a stick in the way, and he actually deflects it over, I think, the net. But again, just take your time and play it off the boards and make the smart play. And the last one that drove me nuts is that the Oilers finally get a power play. And they're about 30 seconds into it, and there's a big scrum on the right-hand side. Puck comes loose, and the guy winds up the Nashville Predator defenseman to ring it all the way around the boards. And you can see Clefbaum go over to the boards and try to pinch it and stop it. And all three, there's two Oilers deep, and all three Oilers are on the blue line standing still. And now Mark Letestu gets caught in a foot race. He ends up taking, well, what I thought was kind of a, not, not really a penalty, but he that's did, with he the rest did, of it, it, was a, it was a penalty. He did slash his leg. He yeah, slashed his he leg. Did. But, yeah. but uh, again, all year long I've been seeing this with the Oilers. Their, their play from blue line to blue line, they get themselves into so much trouble. And Talbot tonight, I thought, was just phenomenal. Like, he made some saves at absolutely crucial times where the Oilers might have given up again. He yeah, had a good game. Your thoughts, guys? Well, uh, on that... Hockey is a game of mistakes, and when you're a fan of your team and your team loses, you're going to remember all the mistakes your team made, and, and they were mistakes. But if you could go through the, the game tonight, uh, a great example, Yossi, who is the best defenseman on the Nashville Predators, has the puck on his stick with 30 seconds to go in the hockey game. The game is over in his own zone, and he throws it up the middle, and it gets picked off by, I don't know if it was Nugent Hopkins or Dreisaitl or somebody in his own zone. So both teams make all those mistakes. It's whoever capitalizes better. Yes, the mistakes you talked about are there, but Nashville Predators make just as many mistakes as the Edmonton Oilers, except you don't notice them as much because that's not your team. Well, this I think. Well, this, no, I'm this talking year, tonight. We're just talking about tonight's tonight, game. Tonight, yep. yeah, I mean, tonight was 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 fairly even, but I, th- I think Stephen's points are, are are well made for sure. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. We'll go back to Nashville before we go back to the phone lines. Here's head coach Todd McClellan. Is a skate a millimeter off the ice? Do we wait until the yeah, you know what? I thought tonight we uh, we worked hard enough for a break. I'm not sure that we were in that situation in in prior games, but uh, um, I was just talking to Peter. And hey, if we play like that, we'll have our opportunities to win games. And um, it's a step in the right direction. Um, I know it's about wins and losses, and we can't paint paint the loss up. But um, the guys competed hard. Um, you know, sometimes the bounces don't go your way uh, off Larson's face. 
uh, offside, it's offside's offside. That's what the rule's for. And, and uh, apparently he picked his foot up. So, um, you know, tough one. The, the guys gave us what they had. Um, Connor seemed to want to lead the team to a victory, but it looked like the guys had the drive as well. Was it more of a collective effort as opposed to maybe Connor bringing everyone up? Yeah, that was. I think that was pretty evident. We were able to... Uh, to roll three, and then when we played our fourth line, they they had some effectiveness in the game too. Um, you know, we have to remember that's a really good hockey club too, and we're playing in their building where they've had a lot of success, and, and um, we pushed, and it wasn't just 97 pushing. I thought Leon had one of his games. I thought uh, Stromer maybe had one of his best games he's played in uh, in an Oiler uniform, and that uh, that's something that we need all all night, every night. Uh, can't just pop up. Uh, here and there, so if we keep getting that from players, we'll be fine. Stay in the game, and it was two, two nothing in the first. It looked like you know, oh boy, it's going to be another one of those. But uh, to, yeah, it was hang around and fight back. Was again, they're not uh, they're not rolling over and playing dead, which is a positive sign. Uh, coming out in the second and getting the goal fairly early was important, and uh, then to continue to apply pressure and and um, you know push was also important for our team. So those are positives, but. You know, obviously the negative is not getting the extra goal to at least get it to overtime. And, uh, that's what we need to get to. You're loath to maybe criticize officials, but when, when your guy's literally pulling a stick out of his sweater on a breakaway and there's no call, do you... Well, that creates a ton of frustration on our bench and through the coaching staff. And, um, you know, I, I can see one guy missing it, but two, uh, clear-cut breakaway and... The stick goes into the pants at, at the blue line, and it comes down onto the ice at the tops of the circles or near the hash marks. So it wasn't like it was a real quick play. So somehow it didn't get caught. All right, that's head coach Todd McClellan. Oilers lose 2-1 in Nashville. Predators got a power play goal at 8.26 of the first after Milan Lucic took a bad cross-checking penalty in the neutral zone. Then a weird one at 15.31. Roman Yossi's shot stopped by Cam Talbot. Rebound was flying to the sideboards. It hit Adam Larson in the face, dropped into the crease. Victor Arvidsson had a tap-in. McDavid scored 45 seconds into the second period. Latestu's goal at 14.56 of the third called off because the Predators successfully challenged for offside. That's how we got to this result tonight. Tough run here for the Oilers. 1-6-1 in their last eight. They aren't scoring continually, uh, aren't getting the goals regardless of uh, offside challenges or not. Okay, we have Alex on the line, 780-496-0063. Go ahead, Alex. Hey, guys, how you doing? Doing pretty good. Um, so I wanted to uh, comment on a couple things. So first of all, I love the effort from the team tonight. Um, obviously a much better effort than they put forth on the weekend and then, you know, the previous game, say for maybe the, the Ducks game. A um, couple points about the officiating. Number one, why are we not getting more penalties called against the other team? Is it because of the reputations of Cassian Lucic and um, you know Maroon, or is it because we butchered the NHL officials after Game Four and Five of the playoffs? Um, and about the offside call, I remember last year uh, we were in a, basically the exact same thing. We were in Nashville. Yep. They scored basically the exact same thing. Yet we challenged it and we lost. No, here's to, Alex. Here's what happened last year, and that was a weird play. And I, Rob, can attest. I basically didn't watch the game after that goal went in because okay. I was trying to understand the rule. And then I talked to Todd about it later when they got back from the road trip. Victor Arvidsson jumped straight up in the air. One foot was suspended onside. One foot was suspended offside. So the the way the, the league does it is that if a guy has both feet off the ice, they rule it as if both feet were on the ice. It makes no sense, but that's, that's the rule. If one foot is touching the ice and the other isn't, then yeah. they base it on whichever foot is on the ice, where it is. But if both feet are off the ice, they, they say, okay, where was he if both feet were on? One foot was on side, therefore it was on side. It's a stupid NHL rule, but that's why, why they called it that way. And the NHL wonders why we, we say that they're inconsistent with the rules. That makes, like, if you look at the standard offside rule, the, the basic rule, to my knowledge, is the guy has to, the puck has to cross the blue line before the player, correct? Yep. Well, I mean, so, th- this rule, the, today's game, it was right. It was the right rule. Yeah. He was offside. It just, it's unfortunate. And I, and I go back to, if you need to have slow, slow frame video coverage to be able to decide if it was offside or not, well, then you don't, it, 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 to me, that's wrong. 
if you can't see in the blink of an eye, you can't see in real time, offside or not, well then to me, then it's it's whatever the referee calls. Yeah. I think yeah. it's too much. But I, the, the rule, the, it was a right. It was a it well, was a great challenge, and it was a great challenge rule. by Nashville. And you got to give credit to the Nashville Predator video guy for getting it that quickly, because to the naked eye, it looked perfect. But when you right. slow it down, so it, it was right. As as far what was the other question you talked about at the beginning? The, the the officiating like we're not getting more oh calls I, you know what I, for part of the reason is the Oilers have just not played very well and they didn't have the puck on their stick most of the time um, but I can attest to you or I can tell you the truth that if you are a team that is mouthy a team that is disrespectful or a team that whines a lot the referees remember it and referees talk so if there's teams in the league that aren't getting calls there's probably uh, a little bit of a reason of the referees. If it's 50-50, you know what? That guy, he embellishes everything. He always throws his head back or he's always whining about something. So I'm going to lean towards the other side. So I'm not saying that that's the case here, but that is true Without the, throughout my pro career. Referees will be like that. A player is onside when either of his skates are in contact with or on his own side of the blue line at the instant the puck completely crosses. So... Jujar lifted that yep. back leg. He was offside, yep. Yeah. It was simple. No, I know, and I know we've talked a lot about, you know, should they give leeway so if the skate is over top of the blue line, I'd, I'd even be fine with that. But, uh, yeah, I understand why people aren't happy. It's 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 not a great uh, situation to have a video review. Tony on line one as the Oilers lose 2-1. Go ahead, Tony. How are you guys doing tonight? Good. Well, um, I'm watching the game tonight, and, you know, I love watching these guys and all that kind of stuff. The thing that really irritated me tonight was, first of all, you guys know both these players, so want to make the entire break away. I even listened to Drew Amanda, and if you guys haven't noticed, Drew Amanda is not exactly on our team. But he even said, that should have been a penalty. The second one was where, um, uh, which one was it? The, I think. The other penalty that I should have been called, the, um, the Probably this, yeah. Maroon. That, that that's one. a slash. It should have been a two-minute penalty. Yep. But no, but no, but it seems like every time that we face Nashville or every time that we face against PK, he's always doing something that that it should be a penalty, but isn't considered a penalty. As well, that that one wasn't PK. The slash wasn't PK. That was Hartnell. But the yeah, the no. but the one on the breakaway that that yeah it, it should have been a penalty. It, it, to me, it was pretty easy to call. They missed it. And the, and the second one is, and you guys were talking about it too. The offside challenge. If you can't get it right within a thirty within thirty seconds after you know after reviewing it, it should be just a goal because it just wastes more time. And yeah, I know that they say, oh, you know, it, uh, if it doesn't get called, you know, it's gonna be a penalty. But still, what? It, back in two thousand six, we didn't have we didn't have this, and look what ended up happening. Like this only came in because of one stupid play that happened in Colorado. I yep. think it. I think it's beyond stupid in my opinion. Thanks, Tony. Appreciate it. Nine seventeen. Predators get by the Oilers 2-1. McDavid had the only goal. You'll hear from him. Plenty of time for your calls. Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center. Live from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center. This is the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line on Oilers Radio. 630 chair. Final score in Nashville. Predators 2, Oilers 1. The Oilers' record sinking to 18-23-3 and three on the season. They just have one win in their last eight. They continue to struggle to score, though they did have a goal taken off the board tonight because of an offside challenge by Nashville. Our adjustment of the game for the Alberta College and Association of Chiropractors, if it hurts, see a chiropractor, visit albertachiro.com, is an adjustment I think all our listeners want tonight is to get rid of the video challenge. Yeah, I'm, I'm for that. I vote for that too. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. We have Omar on the line. Omar, thanks for calling. Rob, Bob, what's going on, guys? Bob's not here, but I'm sure he's fine. Okay, question for you for tonight. I uh, Drake Kajula is disgusting. I think he uh, needs to be uh, sent back down to figure out what needs to happen, whether it's calling up Yamamoto or someone else who's available because. That just the effort that he puts in night in, night out, when you get a chance to come up to a team that's supposed to be up and coming, he's not showing a reason to be here. He's undersized. He, yeah, he's a great skater. He can skate fast, but we're here to win. What are your thoughts? 
Well, Yamamoto can't be called up. He's gone back to junior. Uh, in the minors, you got Pacarenin or what was it Brad Malone? Well, Malone's Those there. are the only Braddy's two guys, there. really, that would get an opportunity. Kajula uh, is. He's in and out of the lineup. He's not having a good year. He's, it's been a disappointing year for him. Um, he need They need more out of him. I mean, you're absolutely right. They need more out of him. Jordan is on the line as well. Jordan, you're going to be our finish the play contestant, but first, give us your thought. Okay. Um, thanks for having me on, guys. Um, first first question I have for you. Um, you. You said that some teams are mouthy and reps remember that. And I do believe we kind of gave him the gears when it came down to uh, the postseason last year. But should it not be up to the refs to call the game the way it should be called? I, I've seen three blatant penalties. I don't, I don't care about the offside call. Uh, one, obviously, McDavid. Uh, but one that hasn't brought up was Kyra getting hit in the numbers. Oh, you know uh, what? I asked like Rob boring. about that during yeah, the game. Yeah. I, 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 thought I was 50-50 on that. I, I've seen it called. I've seen it let go a lot. I, I mean, that to me wasn't big. I thought the guy let up enough to not be a penalty. Uh, the, the the maroon one between the legs and the, the McDavid one, certainly. The McDavid one was the easiest one because, as Tom McClellan talked about after the game, it was a breakaway. And yeah. P.K. Subban's stick actually stuck in McDavid after he let go of it for another second and a half. So it was where it needed to be to be called a penalty. Um, I don't believe that McDavid's one of those guys that they don't call penalties on because McDavid, I think he's led the league in penalties against in the National Hockey League, so he gets his share. To me, sometimes maybe the referees think it's like in football, you could actually call holding on every single play with the offensive line. Every time Connor McDavid touches the puck, you could probably call a penalty on something that's going to happen in the next four or five seconds because that's the only way to slow him down. Uh, referees are, are human. They they will hold grudges at times. I do believe the, the, the NHL referees are the best in the world. They're, it's not even close anywhere else you go. They are the best in the world, uh, but they make mistakes, and sometimes certain refs have don't make the calls for certain teams because of something that's happened in the past. It's always been like that, and I imagine it's always going to be like that. It shouldn't be, but it is. Jordan, you ready to finish the play? Sure, why not? We're looking to give you an eight-day parking pass to Jet Set U Park. Brought to you by Jet Set Parking. Park cheap and easy. Visit jetsetparking.com. Grabbed by Kyle Turris, tried to center, broken up, and here come the Oilers' top line. Dry subtle to McDavid, across to Maroon, reach shot. The classic goal or no goal tonight for you, Jordan? No goal. Grabbed by Kyle Turris, tried to center, broken up, and here come the Oilers' top line. Dry subtle to McDavid, across to Maroon, reach shot, glove save made by Pecorine with 10-21 to go in the first. Oilers now outscored 22-4 in their last six games. Really tough spell for them offensively. We should touch on the goaltending tonight because Talbot's had a, a tough year, mm-hmm. obviously. I thought he had a very good game. I thought he was excellent. Uh the first period, I thought the Nashville Predators were the better team. The second period and the third period, the Oilers were better. But there was a stretch in the second period where the Nashville Predators were up by one, and they had three golden opportunities. Grade A, top-notch scoring chances, and Talbot made three big saves. And that's what we saw at Cam, Cam Talbot last year. The Oilers would fall behind. He would always keep them in the game with big saves, and the Oilers eventually would score a goal late in the game, usually on a power play, to tie it and go into overtime. That's what I thought this game was going to play out today. I told I, I told Reed at one point that the Oilers are going to get a power play probably in the last six minutes they're going to score on it. They got a power play. It was with eight-something left. Unfortunately, they lost their power play. And one thing that we haven't talked about, and I thought was an unbelievably smart play by the Nashville Predators tonight, they are shorthanded. There's the breakaway. Letestu takes the slash. Nashville gets the puck, and instead of taking the puck to the net, they knew they wanted to kill off the rest of their penalty that they had, and they wasted 55 seconds, which created a much longer power play. Smart play by Nashville. Um, But, yeah, Talbot, Talbot was excellent tonight, and this is what they need. If the Oilers play like they did tonight, if Talbot plays like he did tonight, the Oilers are going to find more victories and losses coming home. Is it too late? Possibly. But well, this is the probably. way they need to play. Uh-huh. Well, probably. <laughs> probably. Very, very probably. Well, I'm, I'm still, my glass of water here is well, still half I know, full. I know, but, but, but it's what a it, long I, way. They are nine points behind four teams, 
and every one of those teams have games in hand on the Edmonton Oilers. Yeah, so yeah, no, the pl- I don't think the playoffs are, are a realistic discussion, but you hope there are more games uh, that are entertaining to this level for sure. Without the disappointing review, Predators beat the Oilers two. One. Let's go back to Nashville here. The Oilers' only goal scorer tonight, Connor McDavid. I just want to, it seemed like everybody had a lot of jump. Everyone had a lot of drive coming off a couple of tough losses. Yeah, you know, I thought uh, we played a good game. Kind of same story every night. Um, you know, a couple of unlucky bounces go their way, and that's that. Mark kind of said it. that goal that gets called back is indicative of the way things have gone for this team this season. Do you feel that's a fair assessment? Yeah, that's definitely fair, I think. You know, we battle that hard and, and, and find a way to tie up the game. And, um, you know, and then the guys in arm here are offside, and, you know, they call it back. So, um, you know what, it's obviously hard to, to you know, challenge or, you know, not agree with the, the, the rule, I mean, and, and the video challenge, um, you know, because obviously it didn't go our way, but, you know, if we were on the other side, we would obviously love the rule, so um, you know, it's tough to kind of comment on it right now, but you know, ultimately I feel as well they should just take the rule out. I think, uh, you know, the, the, the number of calls that are, you know, a millimeter offside, uh, you know, 45 seconds before the play, I think it's not very, uh, doesn't have very much of, a, of an effect on the goal itself, and, um, I think the fans want to see offense, and you know, if that's going to hold back from, from offense, I think uh, you know, it's obviously frustrating. But you know, like I said, it's very hard to, to sit here and question the rule right now because it's, uh, it's obviously a little sensitive and um, you know, with, with it going against us. But um, I think it's something that uh, I hope they, they take up. Uh, the way the way things went, I mean, they get their first one off a guy's face, and your tying goal is a millimeter off the ice. You just roll your eyes. And, like, <laughs> when is this? Yeah, it's it's crazy. Uh, you know, it, and it, it's just the balances that, that we've been getting. And it's just the way it goes. Sometimes I think everyone goes through a stretch like this, so you know, it's frustrating. But we'll find a way out of it. Um. All right, Connor McDavid. He had an excellent game tonight. We're going to give him the fourth star of the game. No Oilers picked his stars on NHL.com for Missioner Allen Auctioneering. Check out maauctions.com for industrial and automotive sale dates. McDavid now with 15 goals on the season, tying Ryan Nugent Hopkins for the team lead. McDavid up to 48 points in 44 games. All right, uh, Aaron. Joanne, Gary, Mitch, and Rocket, you're all getting on. We do have to do a quick news and uh, weather update here in about 45 seconds. Uh, so, yeah, again, the number is 780-496-0063. Tough spell scoring goals for the Oilers. So, once again, we don't get to turn on the Japanese Village goal light on 630ched.com slash Oilers. When they do hit five or more in a game, you can go print up a coupon for a free appetizer to Japanese Village, three locations in Edmonton, downtown, south side, and north side. The final national... Nashville 2, Edmonton 1. We're coming right back. Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center. This is the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line. Now from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center, Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chan. Yeah, I'm along with Rob Brown. Nashville 2, Edmonton 1 is your final tonight. You can get us at 780-496-0063. We have Aaron on line 5. Go ahead, Aaron. Hey, thanks for having me on. Yep. Uh, I yeah, I don't know. I don't really want to make it like a big thing about the refs, but it was it was just frustrating the efforts we've seen from the team so many games, and then the one game in the last like handful for sure, just no calls. Like I saw behind the play, Drysaddle gave Eckholm a good shot, and Eckholm just turned around and literally behind the play, just like looked like he challenged him to a fight, and he's pushing at his chest. I don't really understand how that's not a penalty when Dreisaitl got a good lick in on him. And then there's obviously the hook on McDavid, which is embarrassing that there wasn't a penalty on that. And what that big scrum in front, uh, when Lucic started that, Craig Smith had about three whacks at Talbot's glove after the whistle. I just don't understand how those aren't called. But anyways, I kind of have a couple of questions that I I wanted to hear your guys' opinion on. I don't really understand at all with how terrible the special teams have been that they haven't tried Nurse on the power play for one and Strom on the penalty kill for two because he's giving nothing. Like, he's got to give something, and I think the only bet he has to stay in the NHL is if he can turn into a two-way player. Um, yeah, fair question about Strom. I know Bob was talking about that, that he might have to add some other, other elements to his game for sure. What about Nurse on the power play? I, I just don't think Nurse sees the game well enough to be a power play guy. I think Nurse is incredible at transporting the puck. He, a few times tonight, he picked the puck up, went behind his own net, and 
just the the amount of distance he put between him and the guy that was coming behind him was huge. When you're on the power play, it, it, there's a lot of thought that goes into it, moving the puck in the right direction, getting the puck in the right guy's hands. And Darnell, that, that's not the strength of his game. If you watch the times that he transports the puck from his end all the way in, how many plays he makes off of it. There's not a lot of plays that are made. It usually ends up with either him throwing the puck on net or any, getting lost in a corner. So Darnell Nurse has huge strengths, and I think he's going to be a very good shutdown-type defenseman. I don't think a power play specialist is what he's going to be. The problem for the Oilers, they don't have that big bomb from the back end, especially a right-handed one, which would make them much more successful on the power play. To me, that's something that is much needed in the offseason. Western Hockey League tonight, the Edmonton Oil Kings win in Brandon 3-2 in overtime as we check the Advantage Trailer Rentals out-of-town scoreboard. Calgary wins in OT over the Minnesota Wild 3-2. Panthers outscore the Blues 7-4. Lightning edge Carolina 5-4. Blackhawks blowing out Ottawa 8-2. Capitals win at home 3-1 against Vancouver. And the Jets outscore the Sabres 7-4. A few games with some goals tonight. Not the one you listen to here on 630 Chet. Predators get by Edmonton 2-1. Joanne is on the line. Hi, Joanne. How are you tonight? Pretty good. Good. I've been watching and listening to Oilers now, and I listen to you guys, and I read the paper, and blah, blah, blah. Uh, I listened to Shirelli tonight, and he said... He has no intentions of firing Todd McClellan. And then he said there's got to be some moves made. My question is, what can we move? Good point. What have we got to trade? I would just be beside myself if you got rid of Newton Hopkins. Uh, I don't know. What else have we got that's worth money other than McDavid? I I think they could... I think that by the trade deadline, it's likely they would trade the unrestricted free agents. You wouldn't get a lot for them, that being Maroon, Latestu, and Camilleri. Uh, I'm sure they would be dangled. I I don't know if there would be a significant player added until the summer, though, Joanne. And I agree with you about Nugent Hopkins. The Oilers have had no centers for a long time. Now they have three pretty decent ones, so I, I would hope they would hang on to Nugent Hopkins. Well, I hope they don't. We don't have to go through a, another five years of rebuild. I hope something can be done. I, uh, we hope so too, Joanne. We hope so too. Gary on the line. Hello, Gary. Hey, Lee. Year two, gentlemen. Number eighteen. I thought it would be a good year to start after we uh, <laughs> at least uh, went five hundred uh, before the holiday there, but. Uh, it's looking bleak right now. Um, you're, the, the refereeing, I'm not going to beat it to death. I mean, we talked about it already, and it's not just in the Oilers games. Other games I've watched, too, very inconsistent, very frustrating for a fan who enjoys uh, watching hockey, and the, the league's got to find a way to improve the refereeing big time. Um, the other thing, too, uh, regards to refereeing again, is the goalie interference aspect. they got to get that straightened out, too, because they can't just seem to decide which is goalie interference. It's kind of a gray area. And remember, this rule used to be back... Uh, I think it's been nullified and not uh, in the rulebook anymore where you couldn't be in the crease unless the puck was there. If you scored, it wouldn't count it. Uh, you know, that was gray area too. So I don't know. It's it's, it's the rules and, and the ticky-tacky calls are made or not being made that it makes, it takes, the, takes the thrill of the game nowadays, you know. Um, as far as the Oilers season, play out the season and, uh, you know, nine points plus whatever, you know, it's very tough to climb over the other teams, and the other teams have, have games in hand. Um, just play out the game and see who wants, who's, what players are going to play and uh, play for the team and uh, play 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 as a team and and see what kind of trades that they can make in the offseason. That's all you can do right now, you know? Very frustrating season otherwise. Yeah, absolutely, Gary, and a frustrating one tonight. We appreciate it. 780-496-0063, Predators over the Oilers 2-1. We have Mitch on line three. Good evening, Mitch. Hey guys, how's it going? Uh, it's pretty good. I don't oh, yeah. like to be the offside challenge, but I'm fine otherwise. Oh, sweet. Anyway, I just wanted to phone in. I'm a season ticket holder. I've been sold for my whole life. I'm 23 years old, and uh, I can't. I've been to every home game. I've watched every away game, and I cannot figure out the Oilers' breakout. I don't understand what it is. I mean, you go back to that Chicago game, and you know, you dump it in. The, the puck goes in. I mean, Keith, whoever, even Osterley goes back, and they and they walk out. They make a pass on the tape, and they go into the neutral zone, and they chip it in. They chip it into our zone, they get it into our zone, and for some dumb reason, we always 
fire it up the boards, rim the puck all the time, and we give them. How many giveaways can you guys count? I want you guys to count. How many giveaways a game do we have? Rimming the puck up to the D man, or rimming up the puck, and then getting it chipped back down to our zone, and they can start their cycle. I yeah, want to get your guys' words on that. I think part of that is uh, that the Oilers' wingers aren't fast enough to get over there sometimes. It's funny, though, Mitch, I'm, I'm going to leave you on the line here. Uh, the, the, some of the things that frustrate me with the breakout is they go back and forth D to D about exactly. four times before they try to push it. Yeah, I agree. Rob? Well, yeah, I, I well, that's the one thing, and that's this Bob's biggest pet peeve, especially when Clefbaum and Larson played together. They would go east-west too much instead of going north. And, and the best teams, the teams that transition well, as soon as they get the puck, their forwards know to go north, and their defensemen know they, they don't go cross-ice to their, their partner. They look immediately up-ice to see where their wingers are, where their center is, because right. when a puck is turned over, the offensive team, the team that just got the puck, has a split-second advantage because they know they got the puck to go forward. The other defensive team now has to stop and get back into their own position. So you have that split-second where you can catch them. If you go east-west, well, that allows them to get into their defensive posture. But if you go quickly, you can beat them getting set up, and that's the way you have to play it. The Oilers should be able to do that, especially when you've got some of the, the offensive players up front that you do and they'll be much better when they start doing it consist- consistently. But the best teams in transition, as soon as there's a turnover, as soon as they get the puck, they're looking to move it up to their forwards. And I really think some of the best games the Oilers have played this season have been when they've they've just shot the puck in when they've crossed the red line. Yep. And, and when they, they had a pretty good sequence there in the second period. And, and then when you shoot it in, Lucic looks better because he gets in in four checks. And they showed a good replay actually tonight where Nugent Hopkins got to about the offside dot, and he shot the puck in, and he intentionally shot it up high onto the glass. Mm-hmm. So Rene couldn't get it. And and they when they're smart with their shoot-ins and keep it away from the goalie, they actually can get an effective forecheck going. Well, they were, they were good, and it's obviously something they talked about before the game. And when you play against teams that have very good goaltenders that come out and play the puck well, you keep the puck away from them. And the way you do that is you put it hard around and you put it high around, or you put it in opposite corners where the goalies can't come out to get it. But everyone's got to be on the same page. There was a one, one time tonight where Larson carried the puck up. He got across the red line. He didn't dump it. He looked to make a pass. He took five more feet. But by then, when he did dump it, all three forwards had to stop at the blue line. He dumps it. Forwards are stopped. Now it's easy for Nashville. They go pick up the puck. There's no pressure. You've got to all be in sync so that when you see that guy getting the red line, you're going full speed. You're not worrying about stopping at the blue line. You're not worrying about offside because you know he's dumping it, and he's dumping it hard. And you're right. The Oilers did that for a great portion of the game today, and that's where they had success on their on their forecheck. We'll bring Jess onto the show. Hi, Jess. Hi. Hey, go ahead. Yeah, when when Connor McDavid had that breakaway, when PK uh, Subban, that should have been a penalty. Yeah, yep. we think so too. The refs made poor calls. Yeah, I thought that should have been a hooking penalty for sure. Appreciate you calling in tonight. We also have our old buddy Rocket on line four. Hey, Rocket, how's life? Uh, good guys. How are you? Pretty good. Yeah, it was uh, it was an interesting interesting hockey game, but again, it it kind of boiled down to the same thing that that we talked about last game, and it, you know the the team just isn't in sync. They're not good enough. They don't have they don't have enough talent on the wings, and it just keeps getting exposed over and over again, and it's kind of frustrating. And I was a little frustrated with the dumb another dumb penalty again. Like you know when your team is is already hurting and you go out and you cross-check somebody in the middle of the ice like Lucic did tonight, like that's just, to me, idiotic. And it comes at a time where your team absolutely does not need it. Yeah, it wasn't a good, it wasn't a good penalty. On the first eight minutes, there was a lot of flow. It was back and forth. I, I wouldn't say either team had control. And then you give Nashville an advantage, you know, and then obviously you get the first goal. There are moments in the game when you do that, and there are moments in the game when you don't. And and for the most part, I find that the penalties that we take are always in the moments that we don't need them. You know what I mean? Like, it, and and we and we absolutely pay for them because our penalty kill is like so so tragic. It's it's 
it's even more compounded, right? So it's it's a balloon effect, and, and when it goes, a snowball effect, and when it goes downhill, it goes downhill in a hurry, and, and when you want to go back uphill, it's, uh, it's a huge climb. Yeah, for sure. And then you get an open net goal off a rebound off your own defenseman's face. Like it was just like I just saw that, and I was like, "What else is going to happen?" Like, yeah, that's it's, ridiculous. It's one, it's it's one thing that they're not playing that well, but then that happens, and it's like, "Oh my god, what else do you need?" Rocket, good to hear from you, buddy. Yeah, you too, man. All right, seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Brent and Dean are coming up. Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center. Live from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center, this is the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line on Oilers Radio, 630 chair. I just said to Rob during the commercial break, the NHL insisting on having video review for the offside challenge is like a restaurant keeping an item on their menu that no one ever orders or likes, but they keep recommending it. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And then, well, then we actually came up with the rule change. Here's how you do it. That you can... Uh, challenge an offside, and the linesman will watch it in full speed, in normal speed. And if in normal speed they can tell that it's offside, well, then it's offside. In normal speed, if you can't tell it's offside, well, then it's not offside. Because, I mean, there's no way that a referee could have got that right. Impossible if he watched it in full speed 100 times. You cannot tell it. So, and dumb the team still gets a delay of, penal- delay of game penalty. Absolutely. Oilers lose 2-1. Dan Muse, our trivia answer today. You could have given Michael me knew that. 150,000 guesses on that. And you actually could have given me the initials, and I still wouldn't have guessed. Dan Muse, I've never heard of Dan Muse. Which Predators assistant coach led the Chicago Steel to the USHL title last season as head coach? Michael gets a $50 gift card to Buffet Royale Carvery from Armor Insurance. Protect your car, home, and business with Armor at armorinsurance.ca. Okay, Guys, we're we're uh, we're winding down. We're gonna we got four guys. We're gonna give everybody a minute. Should be able to make your point in that time. Starting with Brent. Go ahead, Brent. Hi there. I was reading the paper today, and uh, I noticed that Chris Russell is tied for sixth in uh, scoring, and that's a statement in itself. But uh, with Shirelli hanging or handing out uh, no trade clauses like Halloween candy, is there a possibility? that we'd be able to trade any of these guys? Like, what would it take to uh, get them to move, and would we win a trade that, that there, any of them are involved in? I don't think a guy would waive a no-trade clause, Brent. Like, I don't see why they would. Players want that stability. They want the money. They want to know. So I, I don't think that the guys who have them, Sekera, Lucic, Talbot, I don't think they, they, no. they'd waive it, Brent. Yeah. That's tough. <laughs> yeah, <yep>. Okay. <laughs> we got Dean on the line as well. Hey, Dean. Hey guys, how's it going? Pretty good. Okay, uh, well, like I'm just gonna unfortunately say it. This team, this year, it's it's been a bust, and it's unfortunate. And let's get real, we're probably not making playoffs. It's it's not likely. I mean, we got to probably go like it's, what? It's highly unlikely. We gotta, yeah, we got to go what? We'll set like. Seven well, they have to go like year. twenty-five and thirteen or something. The Oilers would have to yeah, win have. seven of every ten games for yeah, the rest of the year. Just, that's just crazy. Now. My argument is like, you know, there's enough that we all say, yeah, McDavid, Trump card, we're good. Maybe we're not. Maybe we had four players like Maroon, Latestu, Talbot, Clefbaum all break out last year together, and we had a good season for that. But now that they're like they're doing their regression here, and it's the like it's scary to think that if that is the case, we're not going to be a very good hockey team next year. We're not going to be a very good hockey team down the road. That was my one fear at the beginning of the season when I didn't believe the Oilers would be as good, is because the Oilers had. Too many players have career yeah. years last year. Yeah, that it's I hard for them know, to duplicate. I thought Toronto was in that same category, but clearly not. Clearly, they had the step ahead. We did. They had the talent there, but I think I also think Maroon and Latestu. It's there's a good chance neither one will be an Oiler le- next year. So it depends yeah. on who they're replaced with. Yeah, I, I do think though there are some players, Dean that you probably could have counted on a little more from, even if you weren't expecting them to have career years. For sure. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. A lot, and a lot, you know, a lot's gone wrong. Unfortunately, we didn't trade Maroon maybe with Everly in a package deal when he scored 27 goals. We waited for him to have a, a abysmal year, and now we're going to get less for him. So that's just the way it goes, right? Okay, see you, Dean. Thanks for calling. Yeah. Trevor as well. Trevor, go ahead. Hey, I was just wondering, I, I know uh, hindsight's 50-50, 
But losing uh, Hendricks and Pouliot, did that really affect her penalty kill that much? I think more so with Pouliot. I don't. Th- I honestly think Hendricks would be a part-time player on this year's team. Oh, well, really? well, honestly, he was supposed to be a part-time player, but the way that you know Slepyshev well, and Kajula and those guys play, he probably would play more. I, I do believe. I agree with Reed. I think Pouliot was a. He had deficiencies in his game, but I do believe he was a good penalty killer, and I think that is. I mean, not the whole reason. That I mean, he's only one guy who only took up a certain amount of each penalty kill. But I do believe that they would were better with him on the penalty killing year. And Trevor, if Benoit Pouliot were making two million dollars a year instead of four million, he'd be here. The coach probably could have hey, uh, lived with yeah, some yeah, of his some of his shortcomings. Yeah. How much is uh, Strom making? Strom makes. I gotta quickly look it up. I think I it's think three it's, something. I was gonna guess four. High? I think it's between three and four. Uh, he's an, he's I, an RFA at the end of the season. Strom right now. <laughs> Strom only makes two and a half. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Actually, Strom made a nice play on the goal that didn't count, but he hasn't done that nearly enough. No, he's. Uh, I would have probably taken a draft pick instead of uh, him he, right now. He's, he's having a tough time. All right, and Sean is going to be our final caller tonight. Hello, Sean. Hi, thanks for taking my call. Yep. Uh, just want a, a quick question. Um, about, I know we got some RFAs. Uh, how about, um, just a question for you guys for discussion. How about if we uh, entertain a trade with Evander Kane? Thanks again. Well, I know what Rob's going to say. <laughs> <laughs> no. Okay, I like Evander Kane's ability. I don't like Evander Kane's attitude. And I, I, I don't know if he would be a positive in a dressing room. Having said that, a, a very skilled player. I don't think he's ever lived up to what he could be. But I mean, he's got speed. He's got size. He can shoot. Would he be? Would he benefit playing with Connor McDavid? Yeah, you're right. But I, I is he unrestricted or is he restricted free? Agent? Oh, he's UFA. Remember he's we UFA. Looked, we looked well, that up the other day. So I, you wouldn't trade for him because you're not guaranteed he's going to stay with you after the season. You wait yeah, in the summer. And the Oilers aren't getting him for a playoff run. No. So. so you you wait in the summer and you look to see who the best UFAs are and you make your pitch. Thanks for calling, everybody. A lot to talk about tonight. This one was a a tough one for the Oilers. They were uh, really in the game. It was a lot more entertaining game to watch than some recent outings. But again, nobody other than McDavid is able to find the net that counted. Letestu scored. Nashville challenged for offside with just over five minutes left in the third. They won the challenge. Goal didn't count. Oilers had some really good pressure with Talbot on the bench. They pulled him early with two minutes left and they couldn't beat Rene. He made a good save on Letestu. The Oilers had a couple of cross-crease passes they just missed on and that was the formula for another defeat tonight. Next Oilers game is going to be Friday at Arizona. Of course, we'll have it for you here on 6.30. Chet, Bob Stoffer has Oilers now from noon to 2 tomorrow. I will have inside sports from 6 to 8. I always look forward to talking with you guys then. Thanks to Kellen Kennedy. He's been our studio producer this evening. You can go to the Oilers page on 630Ched.com for more, including uh, an interview with Leon Dreisaitl. We didn't have time to get to tonight, so you can get that on the website. This has been Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Senator. Preds 2, Oilers 1. On behalf of Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. It's 9.55. Have a great night. Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.